to the book of 1 Samuel, at least I, when I begin to think about what's going on in 1 Samuel, you think about King Saul. He's set up rule in Israel. Samuel the prophet is still involved. Maybe you think about David and Goliath, but that doesn't happen until chapter 17. Tonight we're going to be in chapter 14, 1 Samuel 14. David and Goliath is a great story, and we learn about the faith of David who trusted God to fight against a giant, a giant that was over nine feet tall, who was carrying a giant shield that was so heavy. In fact, he had another man help him carry his shield. His sword and his spear were giant. The Bible says his spear was like a weaver's beam. This was an immense man, so strong and so powerful that he had an entire nation afraid of him. All of the army of Israel was afraid of him. And we love to read about David as he fought against Goliath, and it's a great story. But tonight I want us to look at another story from 1 Samuel in chapter 14, and we're going to read about the faith of David's best friend. You know who David's best friend was? His name was Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. He was the prince. And Jonathan, according to how things would go normally, was next in line to be king. And yet, if you know the story, Jonathan was not going to be the next king. David was going to be the next king. And yet, even though you would think, humanly speaking, Jonathan deserved this, and maybe had even desired this, Jonathan was best friends with the young man who was really taking his position. He was best friends with David. And Jonathan knew that God had a plan for David. Jonathan was willing to trust God. And tonight we're going to look at a story about Jonathan and his armor bearer. One of my feet, how Jonathan and God did wonderful things and won a wonderful victory that day. You know, when it comes to faith, the issue is not the person who has the faith. It's the one who we have faith in, right? You see, it's not, we're not going to look at this story and say, wow, Jonathan was an incredible warrior. We're not going to see Jonathan's incredible battle plan. In fact, we're going to see what I think is the exact opposite of that. Instead, we're going to see that Jonathan had faith in a great God to do a great work, and God won a great victory. Today, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel pretty small and insignificant. I feel like, well, it's just little old me. I mean, here we are in this big city of Houston, in this great state of Texas, in this United States that we live in, we're just a speck. We're nothing. What can I do? What can my church do? What can my family do? How can we make any difference at all? And what I want you to understand tonight, the one who makes the difference is not you. The one who makes the difference is God. But God wants to work through you. And God wants to work through me. God wants to work through your church. God wants to work through Arise Baptist Church, I believe, because God has a great work to accomplish. And God wants people who will be faithful and trust Him. And God wants to be able to work through those people and do great things. If you're in 1 Samuel 14, let me get over there. I look down at my Bible. I'm in 2 Samuel 14. That's not going to help us very much for where we're trying to go tonight. Let me begin reading in verse number 1 of 1 Samuel 14. It says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, 
the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Let let me give you just a little background here. Jonathan is part of his father's army. King Saul and the Israelites are camped out, but they don't know what to do. The Philistine army has set up garrisons throughout the land, and they are oppressing the people of Israel. Saul and the rest of the army are waiting for something to happen. And Jonathan sees something that needs to be done. He says, there's an enemy here. This is an enemy of God. This is something that needs something done about. We need to do something about this problem. Kind of similar to David, wasn't it? Goliath. Goliath was part of the Philistines as well. He was coming out every day and blaspheming God and mocking the people of Israel. And David looked around and he said, is there not a cause? Is there not something for us to do something about? Shouldn't somebody be taking a stand against this? And if you remember in that story, David's brothers tried to talk him out of it. King Saul tried to give him his armor. And David said, this is too big. Everything that David did, people were pushing back against him and said, this isn't the right thing to do. And yet God won a great victory that day. Here in 1 Samuel 14, you read about Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan says, there's Philistine, they're garrisoned in our land. We've got to go do something about this. He says, come, let's go over. But you notice he didn't tell his father. I think it's interesting that Jonathan didn't tell his father where he was going. I don't know all the reasons, but perhaps... He knew that King Saul didn't have much faith in God to do a word. Perhaps he knew that his father would try to talk him out of doing it. Perhaps he knew that his father was afraid and hiding out with the other soldiers. And so to tell his father wouldn't end up where he needed to go. I'm thankful for the people that God has given me that have been an encouragement in my life. I'm thankful for the godly mentors and helpers that I've had. People that have instructed me and taught me and given me direction. In fact... One of my favorite people, Pastor Clayton, he was our pastor over at Greenwood Village. He's 84 now. He's retired. But he came down to see our building just a a month or so ago. And as he walked in the door, he said, oh, this place has lots of potential. He said, I wish I was 10 years younger. You could put a paintbrush in my hand and I would go to work. I'm encouraged when I'm around people like that. He said, I can see that God is going to do some great things here if you'll just be faithful to Him and preach the Word and be faithful, love people and help people, and God's going to do great things. That's encouraging to me. But you know, there have been other people along the way that haven't been so encouraging in this process. You know how that is. Maybe you or me could tend to be one of those people sometimes. We look at things, we go, eh, that's never going to work out. That guy... He's got lots of enthusiasm. That's good. But I don't know if he's really going to get... Doesn't he know that's hard? Listen, God asks us to do all kinds of things. And if we have God for us, who can stand against us? We serve a God who has all power. Just because somebody says you can't do it, If they're not somebody that's walking with God and has a great relationship with God, somebody that's going to help you, you don't have to listen to that person. Now, if it's somebody who's your authority, somebody who's who you are to honor and respect, I think you need to listen to that person. Teenagers, you need to listen to your parents. God gave them to you for a reason. God gave them to you to help you and to lead you. 
When I was a youth pastor, I'd have parents ask me sometimes, well, my teen is trying to do this. Should I tell them no? Is it okay? And I said, listen, if teens didn't need parents, God wouldn't have given them to them. Teenagers need parents. Boys and girls need parents. We need godly leaders who are going to help and direct us and help us in our life. But sometimes there comes a point when we know that there's something that needs to be done and God has laid it on our heart to do it and we see a work that needs to be accomplished and we have to step out, not worried about the naysayers, not worried about the people that are going to say no or wait or do it later and say, no, God is in this and I've got to do it now. I'm not talking about getting ahead of God, but I'm talking about walking with God, following in obedience to Him. And I could tell you stories all day from our lives, of how God has directed us to do what we're doing. How God has provided support from places that we never expected it to come from. How God has brought things together and brought people together and encouraged us in ways that are purely supernatural. Only God could do. And so we trust God as He continues to provide. So Jonathan, he steps out. He sees something that needs to be done, and that's how faith sometimes works. Faith begins by seeing. Jonathan went to go fight against the garrison. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't have the best plan. He didn't have the biggest army behind him. But when God calls you to do something, God gives you the resources you need when you need them. We want to have it all ahead of time. We want to have it all in our pocket, all in our bank account, all prepared and ready to go. And then we'll step out by faith. But that's not faith anymore. That's trusting in my bank account. That's trusting in my ability. That's trusting in something that pertains to me instead of trusting in God. I'm not talking about being foolish, but I'm talking about walking by faith. When you say, there's a neighbor, there's somebody on my street that needs the gospel, saying, I'm going to see what I can do to go tell that person the gospel. I'm going to see what I can do to invite that person to church. There's a family that's struggling. I'm going to see how I can encourage them. You say, I don't have all the answers. Neither do I. But God does. So let's trust Him and walk by faith. Jonathan saw something that needed to be done and he stepped out to do it. The Bible says in verse 2, And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Did you notice this group of people that were there? You had the king there. You had some of the other princes of the land there. You had even the son of the high priest there. And yet all this group of leaders, all this group of people that should know what to do, they were all just waiting under The pomegranate tree. Jonathan was the one who stepped out to do something. It's interesting, he says in verse 4, Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sina. Isn't it interesting, as Jonathan's going, he didn't say, oh, I can't go because there's a sharp rock. Oh, I can't go. I'm going to be between a rock and a hard place. No, he didn't say that. It's interesting when you look at the names of those rocks, Sina and Bozes, one means pointed rock and the other means slippery rock. Isn't that the way it is when we look at opportunities ahead of us? We see all the points and all the slipping spots 
And we say, I don't know. And we stay in our seat and we don't get up and do what God wants us to do because we're afraid. Think about old Peter when he was in the boat with those disciples and Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter looked at him and the Lord said, you can come, walk to me. And Peter gets out of the boat. Well, that was an exciting moment, wouldn't have been for Peter. And he steps down in the water instead of sinking in. He steps down and it's solid. And he begins to walk to Jesus. But we know the story. Peter took his eyes off of the Lord and he began to look at the waves around him, at the storms around him, and he began to sink. And he cried out and the Lord saved him. Peter took his eyes off the Lord and he got his eyes on his surroundings. You see, if Jonathan had had his eyes on the pointed rock and the slippery rock that day, Jonathan wouldn't have seen the great victory that was going to come. Jonathan would have looked at the 600 men, including all of the warriors who were there under the pomegranate tree, say, if they're not doing anything about it, then why should I do something about it? That's the other excuse we use sometimes. Well, no one else is doing anything about it. They're more qualified than me. I've seen people in churches that have been hurting and struggling. In fact, I had somebody just this week send me a message and say, please pray this certain situation's going on. And you know what made me really sad, though? They said, I'm not sure if I can share this at church because the last time we had a problem and we shared something at church, people didn't treat us very well. How sad. And yet that's the case in places all around. People say, well, I'm not going to do anything about it because I might be hurt. Or I'm not going to do anything about it because they're more qualified than me. Jonathan could have used all those excuses. But he didn't. He trusted God and walked by faith. He says in verse 5, The forefront of the, of the one was situate northward against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. What a statement. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Did you catch that? Jonathan didn't even really know for sure that God was going to help him win the battle. He said it may be that the Lord will work for us. But Jonathan had enough faith in God's ability to work for them that he said, I will step out by faith and see what God is going to do. I think we miss out on a lot of blessing and we miss out on a lot of seeing God work in ways because we're holding back. We're not ready to trust God and say, hey, it may be the Lord will work for us today. And look at the rest of that verse. It says, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. God didn't need the 600 men along with King Saul. All God needed was Jonathan. God doesn't need everybody to do something. In fact, God can work through one person who's willing to trust Him by faith. Now think what God could do, though, if all of us together said, we're going to step up. We're going to trust God. We're going to go reach this community with the Gospel. We're going to go make a difference in our world for the Lord because there is a cause. There is something worth doing. There is a world that's dying and going to hell and needs to hear the precious 
message of Jesus and His salvation for their souls. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to let my fear keep me from doing it. I'm not going to let my judgment of others or concern about what others might think keep me from doing it. I'm not going to say, well, you just don't understand. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not qualified. I'm not going to let that keep me from doing it. I'm going to do what God has put in front of me to do. That's what Jonathan did. He walked by faith. Jonathan understood something very important. It wasn't about him. It was about God. He knew that God was not restrained. There was nothing holding God back from doing a work. You know there's nothing holding God back, restraining God from doing a work in Humble or in Houston. There's nothing holding God back from doing a work in our nation. God can do a work, can't he? He has all power. Maybe he's just looking for somebody who will step up and be faithful and trust him to do a great work. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, or his armor bearer, I'm sorry, verse 7, said to Jonathan, and his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So we saw that faith begins by seeing something that needs to be done and stepping out to do it. But I want you to notice the next thing about faith. The faith of one often breeds faith in others. Did you see what his armor bearer just said to him? He says, do all that's in your heart. I'm with you. I've seen this happen. As we said, all right, God has called us to Houston. We're going to plant this church. We're moving back. We had a few people say, you're crazy. You're moving a family of seven from Indiana back to Houston to move in with your parents. You're, in, you're 33 years old. You're not supposed to move in with your mom and dad when you're 33. I haven't lived with my mom and dad since I was in high school. And yet we did that. I'm thankful we're not living with them now. In fact, just two weeks ago, God let us close on our house in Indiana and close on a house here in Houston. That was an exciting week, close on two houses in one week. But now we're in a new house. We have our own place again. God has provided we didn't end up with my parents forever. And I'm sure they're thankful, and we are too. But I'm thankful for the willingness of my parents even to trust God with that too. To say, this is a big old family of seven people, but we know that they're trying to do what God wants them to do, so we're going to do what we can to help. Amen. And God bless, God provided. You see, the faith of one often breeds faith in others. If you'll step up, and say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Pastor, I'm going to go out and serve the Lord. Pastor, I'm going to get involved and do what God... It's amazing to see how that encourages other people. Let me tell you just a teeny tiny example of that from our church in Indiana. I led the music there, among other things. And so one of my responsibilities was leading the choir. And when I started there with the choir, the choir was very small, and they sang very quietly. And I like to sing out. I like to sing loud. I think we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. But our choir was kind of timid and afraid. And so I had a conversation. We were having choir rehearsal up here in the choir loft one Sunday night after church. And I said to the choir, I just need one person who will sing out. I said, I don't even mind if you mess up a few times and sing some solos unintentionally. 
I said, I won't get on you for that. I won't make fun of you for that. If you're doing your best to sing out to the Lord, that's all I'm looking for. And it was really neat. One lady, she didn't tell me she was going to do this, but I could tell. Because one lady who had been in the choir for many years, she just took it. I don't want to take the credit for this because the Lord really did it through his people. But when we went to that church, the whole congregation, when you'd sing on Sunday mornings, I'm sorry, but it was dead. There was no joy, no life. Three years later, it was Sunday mornings. The roof was going to come off some Sundays. People were singing out. They were excited about what God was doing. And it was interesting. The faith of one lady in the choir made a difference in the whole church. And people were encouraged because of her willingness to sing out. Listen, I'm not talking about just faith to go plant churches. I'm talking about faith just to sing out in the choir. I'm talking about faith to teach a Sunday school class or help out in junior church or work with the youth group or, oh, hang out with those crazy teenagers, right? And and go on those youth activities. Youth leaders need help. Youth pastors need help. I'm so thankful for the youth workers that God brought along our path along the way to help us with teenagers. In fact, some of those youth workers connected with certain teenagers better than I did. And God used some of those youth workers in the lives of some of those teens even more perhaps than he used me in their lives because they were willing to be faithful. You see, the faith of one breeds faith in others. Let's keep looking at our story, though. Verse number 8. Here we get to the plan, this great battle plan that they had. Jonathan said, then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. Now think about it. Two guys going up against a fortified garrison. Remember the sharp rock and the slippery rock? Yeah, that's where they were going between. In fact, when you look at the geography of this area, as best as I can understand it, it's like they were going to have to crawl up a narrow passageway between the rocks and put their hand. We're going to discover ourselves. We're going to say, hello, yoo-hoo, here we are. Right? Then we're going to go up. If they say stand still, we're going to stand still. A great battle plan, right? No. You see, because it wasn't about their plan. It was about God who was going to do a work through them. The only thing that their plan was to do, it wasn't so that they had this amazing plan to defeat the Philistines. It was so that it could be very clear to them whether God was in this or whether he wasn't in it. Right? Because he said it may be that the Lord will work for us. So they come up with a very simple test. God, if you're in this, provide for us by having them tell us to come up and we'll go up. And if you say, if they say stand still, Lord will stand still. That was the simple plan. Sort of like a fleece like Gideon put out. Say, God, if you want us to do this, make the fleece wet. Now Gideon, he struggled with his faith too, didn't he? Because he had to keep doing it over and over again. He did it several times. But, Not Jonathan. He made one simple test. Lord, show us. Either tell them to have us come up or stay still. Notice he says in verse 10, If they say, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this 
shall be a sign unto us. So what did they do? Verse 11, both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. They didn't think very highly of them, did they? You know, the world doesn't think very highly of us either when we sit around and don't do anything for the Lord. When we sit around and say, well, we're, we, just, we just can't do much. It's just hard. You don't understand. People don't like us. They don't have much respect for us either. I've noticed that when you are trying to do what God wants you to do, people may not like you, but they'll at least respect that you're trying to do something. They may not like what you're doing. They may fight you really hard, but they respect that you're doing something. I think a lot of us in our churches and in our own personal lives, nobody even knows that we're a Christian. Nobody even knows that we exist, perhaps. We found this in this small town up in Indiana. This was a church that had been around for 50 years in the same town, a town of about 18,000 people, not a large town, and a church of similar size to to this church. And you would think a church of this size and a church of 15,000, everybody in town, if they've been there for 50 years, everybody in town should know that they exist. And you know what? When we walked around town, Pastor and I, we'd talk to different people, trying to lead them to the Lord or invite them to church or whatever. We'd ask them, hey, do you know about Hillcrest Baptist Church? And they, we'd get two answers. One, they'd never heard of it. Or two, they said, oh, that church. We wouldn't, oh, we know some, some of those people over there. And we wouldn't go over there. And we thought, how sad. This is the reputation that the church, you see, the, the, the secular people of the town didn't have much respect for the church. Why? Because the church hadn't been doing what they should have been doing to faithfully evangelize the lost and disciple people in the church. They spent more time fighting amongst themselves about silly things that didn't matter. But you know what? God began to work. This isn't a story with a a sad ending. This is a story with a happy ending because God began to work. People began to get saved. The church began to grow. People were being discipled. And the name of the church became much better in that town. In fact, over the last several years, as we've been involved in various community efforts and clean up things and doing things, our church, because it's a small town, has been featured in the local paper over and over again. People would say, oh, you, you work at such and such a church. Or, oh, yeah, my kids go there to VBS. Or, oh, that's been really encouragement to us. It was wonderful to see God begin to change that reputation of that church in the town. But you know why? It's because... Some people said, we're going to go serve the Lord. We're going to go take a stand and do what's right. We're not just going to hide over here in our corner. You see, the Philistines, they said, oh, those Hebrews, they finally come out of the holes where they've been hiding. They thought that those uh, Israelites were a bunch of wimps. And now here they are coming out to fight against them. And Jonathan says in verse number 12, And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Here's where the rubber really met the road. Up until this point, Jonathan had a good, had an idea. Jonathan stepped out by faith. His armor bearer followed him. Now they're looking at the Philistine garrison. Now he says, if they tell us to come up, we're going to go up. And now they've said, come up. Now's the moment of truth. Is he going to go? Or is he going to tuck tail 
turn tail and go home. I'm so thankful that Jonathan stepped by faith. You see, this is how faith often works. It begins by seeing something that needs to be done and stepping out to do it. Faith in one often breeds faith in another, but faith is strengthened as God clearly directs. Isn't that true? Your faith is strengthened as God begins to provide and bring things together. That's what God was doing for Jonathan and the armor bearer here in this story. They had set up a very simple test, come or stay. And they had said, come. And they said, all right, that's the test. God has answered. The Lord's with us. We're going to go up. And they did. Their faith was encouraged and strengthened because God began to direct. And you see, as you begin to walk with God step by step and begin to see his leadership and provision in your life, you will be encouraged and your faith will be strengthened. I've seen people who have been serving God for many more years than me, and I look at them and I say, how do they trust God to provide for this or for that? How do they have the ability to say, hey, we're going to take this giant step forward? And I say, I wouldn't have the faith. You know why they have that faith? Because they've been doing it step by step by step by day by day by day, year in and year out, walking with God. And they know they can trust God. Because their faith is strengthened because God has clearly directed them to this point. Now, that doesn't happen to you overnight. That's a growing process. That's a process of growing in your faith and having it strengthened over time. But listen, it doesn't matter if you were saved this morning. You trusted in Christ for your salvation. And as Colossians chapter 2 says... As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye. It might. The problem happens for you and for me when we stop taking those steps of faith. And we take our eyes off of God and we look at the sharp rocks and the storms and the circumstances around us. And we stop, to ta- stop taking those steps forward. You see, the more you take those steps, just like a baby who's learning to walk, those steps start out small and faltering. But the longer they walk, the more sure their steps get, get, and pretty soon they're running, and you can't slow them down. That's what happens to people in their spiritual life. I've seen this happen, and maybe you have too. As someone who's been saved and begins to grow in the faith, they're baptized, they join the church, they're growing day by day, they're being discipled and encouraged in the Lord. Pretty soon they're serving God and telling everybody else about the Lord, and you can't slow them down. It's a wonderful thing to see because they're walking By faith. The faith is strengthened when God clearly directs. I want you now to look back at the story, verse number 13. It says, Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet. Remember I said it was really steep? This is how we know. He was climbing on his hands and feet to get up this rock. It says, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. When I was a kid, we used to love to play the game King of the Hill. Have you ever played King of the Hill or King of the Mountain, right? You find some big pile of dirt or some haystack or something that you can climb up on top of, and whoever can get on top, they're the King of the Mountain. Everybody else that's trying to climb up, you try to push them back down so they can't get up, right? It's probably not safe to play that now. I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble with somebody afterward. But when I was growing up, we played baseball over this little neighborhood baseball club, and they had this big pile of dirt over to the side. 
And that was the dirt they'd use to put out on the pitcher's mounds and the base paths and things to keep it fresh. But that big pile of dirt was always there. And while we were waiting for our game or after our game when we were little kids, lots of energy, we'd be over there playing King of the Mountain. And boy, the kid that got up on top, it was great. It was a great feeling. Because everybody else climbing up towards you, you had such an advantage over them. Because you had the height advantage. Gravity was working against them, and it was working in your favor. They were climbing against gravity. You were just helping them back down, right? See, this is what happened to Jonathan and his armor bearer only in reverse. It's like they're playing king of the hill, but they're the ones climbing up. And the Philistines are the ones at the top of the hill. And yet God took something that shouldn't have worked, right? Gravity should have been working against them. And instead, the Bible says that they fell down in front of them and Jonathan's armor bearer slew after him. How did that happen? It wasn't because of a great battle plan. It wasn't because of ideal circumstances. It was because God was winning the victory. You see, when you face something and it looks impossible, you say, this, doesn't, this isn't going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to do it. This is an uphill battle. If God's on your side, nothing can stand against you. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. Trust in Him and walk by faith. You see, faith is shown... It's strengthened when God directs, and then faith is demonstrated through our actions as we follow God's lead. Faith, as James says very clearly, without works is dead. You can talk about it. You can theorize about it. You can write books about it. You can sing about it. You can cheer for it. But until you get out and live it and walk it and demonstrate it day by day, it's not really real. Because without action, the faith is dead. Jonathan and his armor bearer, though, they put feet to their faith. And they began to climb step by step because God was doing a work. And as they climbed... The enemy fell down in front of them, and the armor bearer slew as he came behind. He says in verse 14, And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. That's 10 to 1 odds, right? Two of them, 20 of them, 20 died. And it says, And and it was about 20 men within, as it were, an half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen, might plow. I looked that up. From my understanding, they were describing the narrow pathway just like a furrow that an ox would plow in a field, you know, with a single bottom plow behind it. It would be a narrow furrow. This is like the narrow path that they were having to climb up the side of that rock. And those enemy, they had the height advantage. They also had the space advantage. They were in a narrow spot. It's easy to defend a narrow opening, right? And yet God did a work. Twenty men were defeated. Notice verse 15. And there was a trembling in the hosts. In the field and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. 
You see, not only is faith shown through action and following God's lead, but also the faith of one then stirred the hearts of many others to trust God for the victory. You see, it had been Jonathan and his armor bearer up until now. They fought against 20 men and they won the victory. And now there's this great trembling among all the hosts and everybody's afraid, all the Philistines. And even over into the Israelite camp, they hear what's going on. You see, when you walk by faith, it's amazing how it may just be one person who says, all right, I'll be with you too. I'll help you. And the two of you feel like we're just working over here and it's just us. And I wish some more people would help, but everybody just is camped out over there and they don't seem to care. And it's just us, you know, us too. I wish we had some more help. But see, as they continue to work and God begins to do great things and a great victory was won, those people over there that have been camped out under the trees, they heard about what was going on too, and they said, let's go over and join the fight. If you read through the next verses, you'll see that Saul calls uh, the, the high priest's son over and he says, tell us, bring the ephod. What are we supposed to do? What does God want us to do? And the Bible says the noise got so intense that he sent him away. And he says, no, go away. And then he calls him again. And finally, they just decide to go over and join the battle. But you know, it's interesting. It wasn't just those men that were camped out with Saul that joined the battle. If you look, it says in verse 20, Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow and there was a great discomfiture. So that's one group, the people that were camped out under the trees. Look at verse 21. There's another group. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time which went up with them into the camp from the country roundabout, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Did you catch that? These are Israelites that had turned traitor and joined with the Philistines. They had joined up with the enemy army. They said, you know what? We can't win, so we're going to just join the other side. And because they saw what God was doing, not only were all the guys who were afraid and camped out under the tree, they knew there was a battle, but they were afraid to get in it. But now the people who had actually turned and joined the other side, now they turned right back around and began to fight for the children of Israel. That's the second group. But you know, that's not the last group. There's another one. Look at verse 22. Likewise, all the men of Israel which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim when they heard that the Philistines fled. Even they also followed hard after them in the battle. It's fascinating to me. These three groups of people. The one group that knew there was a battle, but they were just waiting under the trees. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but to me, it seems like those people are kind of like a lot of us in our churches. We know there's a battle to be fought. And we know that we serve God. But there's a lot of us sitting around waiting for somebody else to take the first step. Because we don't want to be out in front. Because it's scary. And that's where those 600 men were. They were just waiting. They, they had their armor. They had their swords. They knew there was a fight. But they weren't going to be the ones to initiate. Then you have these other guys. The ones who had turned away completely and joined up with the enemy. Those could 
be kind of like some people today as well. You say, well, they used to be in our church. But I don't know where they are anymore. Those people used to walk with God. And I, I thought they really loved God. But now they're just over there hanging out, goofing off, doing whatever. And they're not serving God at all. What happened to them? It's like they've turned traitor and joined up with the enemy. You know what? Those people, God still loves them too. Just like he loves you. We can feel good about ourselves, can't we? Well, look at those people over there. God wants us to look at our own problems first, doesn't he? But you know what? Even those people, I believe, if God begins to do a work, sometimes those people turn right around and join back up in the fight and get involved with what needs to happen and go in the right direction. God can do that. And you know what? Then there were those other Israelites, those ones who were just hiding out in the holes. They hadn't even come out to the battle at all. They didn't join up with Saul's army, and they didn't turn tail and join up with the Philistine army. They were nowhere to be found. These were the guys that were completely afraid of everything. They said, we're just going to hunker down and hope it all works out. Even those people came out and joined in the fight. You see, faith is a wonderful, powerful thing because of the one that our faith is in. If our faith is in God, God can do wonderful things. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know most of you. But God does. God, the Heavenly Father, sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Because you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we're all sinners. We've all done wrong. We've all broken God's law. And we deserve eternal death and separation from God in hell. But God, in His rich grace and mercy, He demonstrated toward us, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place, in my place, and in the place of this whole world so that they wouldn't have to. But he says you need to confess your sins. He says if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. He said whosoever, it's offered freely to you. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today? Have you trusted in him? You see, serving God is the most wonderful thing in the world. When you're serving an almighty God who can do anything, who has everything in his control, who has all power, it's just a wonderful sense of peace, a wonderful sense of blessing and God's encouragement. It doesn't mean life's always good. There's struggles along the way. But it's not because of God. It's because of the sin around us. And God is there to help us through if we're his child, if we know him as our Savior. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you're here today and, and maybe at some point in the past you walked by faith. Maybe you saw God do some great things. I love to hear stories from people who tell me about what they saw God do and how God worked and the things that were built and the people that were saved and the things God did. But something God did in my heart a little over a year ago was this. I, I realized that I wanted to see God doing something in me and through me every day. I didn't want to just have stories about what happened 10 years ago or 2 years ago or 20 years ago. I want to be able to tell you people that I saw God working in this week. 
I wanted to tell you, I want to be able to tell you what I'm learning from God's word now. Because I want to continue to walk by faith. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord tonight and say, God, I want to get back in the fight. Maybe you've been hiding out in a hole. Maybe you're just camped out under a tree somewhere. We say, Lord, I want to get back in the fight and walk by faith and do what you want me to do. God, there's something I know that needs to be done and I've seen it and I've been afraid to do anything about it. But tonight I'm going to say, Lord, I'm giving it to you and I'm going to trust you by faith and I'm going to begin to take those steps. They may be little, but I'm going to take every step that I can towards doing what you want me to do, Lord, because I want to see you do a great work. God can do that if you'll trust him. Would you walk by faith? I don't know what God could do. Maybe there's a young person here tonight who says, I think God wants me to go serve him with my life and I'm going to be a missionary. What a wonderful thing. You know, right now, I don't know the exact statistics, but the number of missionaries leaving the field is far more than the missionaries going to the field right now. Because we need young people who say, I'm going to go trust the Lord by faith. We need older people who say, I may not have the energy that I used to have, but I'm going to be faithful in prayer. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to do everything I can to keep pointing people to Christ with every day that I have and every breath that the Lord gives me. I was talking to one of our elderly men in our church back in Indiana, and he said, well, at my age, I can't get out and do a lot of visitation. But he said, I now do my visitation in the doctor's office. He said, I spend most of my time in doctor's offices. And he said, the Lord's given me some wonderful opportunities to share the gospel with people who are just like me, who have aches and pains and physical problems and are sitting there waiting in another waiting room. He said, I use that opportunity to share the gospel with them, give them an invitation to church, ask them if I can pray with them. I don't care who you are or what you do. God wants to use you. And God will use you if you will step out by faith and trust in him. I don't know how you normally do this at your church, but if you would, I'd like you to, to ask you to stand with me if you would. And I'd like us to bow our heads for prayer and just give us a moment to respond to truth. Maybe you'd like to come here and pray. At these steps, maybe you just need to turn around your seat and pray right where you're at. Maybe there's something in your heart and you say, I, I want to serve God, but I've got something wrong between me and some other person in this room. You need to go make that right tonight. I don't know what it is. But would you do what God wants you to do? Would you follow his leading tonight? I'm going to pray and the instrument will play and we'll have a song. And you follow God as he leads you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for these dear people and thank you for their attentiveness tonight. But Lord, all the listening in the world does us no good if we're like that man in James 1, if we're just hearers of the word and not doers. Lord, I don't know the hearts. I'm sure there are many faithful people here tonight that hear this and they say, Amen, and Lord, help me to continue to do what I'm already doing. And I'm thankful for those people. Lord, I pray this tonight would be an encouragement to them to stay faithful, to stay working and do what you want them to do because you are there to help them and you are accomplishing your plan. But Lord, 
I would imagine in this size of group that there's somebody here, maybe a number of people, that this message has challenged their hearts because they've been holding back and not doing what you want them to do. Maybe it's been fear. Maybe they don't feel like they're prepared. Lord, I pray that they trust you and step out by faith tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You come and do as God leads. Brother Ken. 349.